Have you ever noticed this? There's a saying that goes, there's no I in team. But if the font is right and you start zooming in closer and closer into the word team, and you zoom in to the A in team, and you look at just the right spot, you see the letter I. So what is it? Is there an I in team? Hi, this is Steve, and you're listening to Ministry During the Disruption. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Joining me on the show today is our senior superstar correspondent, Kyle Lee. Hey, I just got to let you know, as the senior superstar correspondent, I know a superstar. Jesus Christ, superstar. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, walk across my swimming pool, that kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah 100%. <laughs> yeah, man. No, uh, do you like the musical? Are we going to talk about musicals today? Is that what you're trying to tee up? Uh, no, although I really did like, I just watched In the Heights. I really liked it. It was fun. Oh, man, I haven't seen it yet. I, I really enjoyed it, it. Really enjoyed it. I have a take about sports again. And also specifically basketball. So let's talk about that. Love it. Lay it on us. Okay. So I am a Daryl Morey disciple, if you're familiar with the NBA. Nope. No idea who that is. His philosophy is my philosophy. The only thing that matters is acquiring superstar talent. So if you're a basketball team and you want to win the basketball champion sports NBA thing with the big golden basketball, all you have to do is acquire superstar talent. That's the theory, and that's what I espouse, yes. No way, man. I, I, n- no way. More talent, more problems, man. Like, <laughs> these, like, super talented people, like, these superstars, they're, like, super work. Like, the best basketball teams, you know, historically have played as a team. It's not just the talent. There have been very talented failures. Oh, there's definitely talented failures, but there's also a bunch of dregs who, who don't have any talent that never make it to the NBA in the first place. <laughs> I think I, even then, once you make it, the superstars of your team of, in your high school went to this and went to college and they became superstars. Some of them became superstars in college. And then some of those superstars in college become superstars in the NBA. And those superstars are the true superstars. And those are the ones that you want and you need. But on every level, you need that superstar in order to ultimately win. Now, there, it obviously helps to have some other warm bodies at your court in order to actually play. You know, you need to legally show up with 15 players in order to, like, not forfeit or whatever. But, like... Wait, wait. Basketball's played with 15 players? Man, that game has changed so much during the <laughs> pandemic. Well, 15... Like, yeah, I think, you, I think the minimum would be, like, eight players in order to play a game, I think. So, like, you know, you need to show up with at least eight guys in order to play. But only thing that matters is, like, the one, two, or three that are, like, the superstars. Right, you know? what? Well, that, it gets back to my earlier point from previous episodes, is that's because people don't play defense anymore. <laughs> I would say that the offensive games of these superstars is so ridiculous that nobody can possibly defend them whatsoever. Uh, speaking of which, like, watching the last night's game of, of the Bucks versus the Nets, the superstar, Kevin Durant, scored 49 points, had 17 rebounds, 10 assists, three steals, and two blocks, and was like 13 from 16 from the free throw line. He had like this legendary performance, and he basically dragged the whole team all by himself to winning the game, and he was incredible. All by himself. So the final score was 49 to 48? 
it was 113 to 108 or something. But like he also his assists led to like another 30 some points. His steals and his blocks led to another like 10. So like I think he made up like 85 percent of their scoring in some way, shape, or form. It's like pretty nuts. So so if you give him credit for all of the steals, now of course give him credit for all the steals. You give him credit for all the assists. How many of his buckets came with assists? Did he get the rebound, take it all the way down, coast to coast, all by himself, do the kind of tomahawk dunk thing every time? Uh, actually, yes, yesterday, no. kind of. Oh, kind all right, of. you win, man, you win, you win. <laughs> kind of, he really kind of did it yesterday night like that. Wait, I mean, here's what I'm trying to lean into, right, is like, you've got a whole team there, and that attitude that says that the superstar makes the team can be very poisonous for a team dynamic. I, I was really worried about that as a to switch sports on you as a Tampa Bay fan, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan in the, the sport of football. When Tom Brady moved to Tampa Bay, I was worried that he would poison the team because he's such a superstar, you know, the, the greatest quarterback who's ever lived, according to his mom, right? And like... According to lots of people. According yeah. to lots of people, yeah. That wasn't his way at all. He didn't act like he believed that all that mattered was getting superstar. He didn't act like he was the only important person on the team. You know, one of the challenges that I've seen with superstars is when they act like they are the only ones who matter, it creates this really difficult team dynamic. I'm not saying that, that you can never win games, tournaments, championships. I mean, some of the great teams have had players who have had that attitude. And uh, at the same time, I wouldn't want to be on one of those teams. Yeah, I think I think there's to take it all back to a more reasonable level. I think there's there's a balance you have to strike, right? Where I, if we're all playing basketball, right? Let's say, and Steve, you are amazing, and I'm not that good, right? I need to kind of help set myself up and play in such a way that I help you play great basketball. Right. And the best way for me to play great basketball is to help you play great basketball, which most of the time means just getting out of the way, especially for playing at an amateur level. But um, I would argue and say that I think a lot of the systems we have in place kind of incentivize this superstar idea in our world. But the thing that's very strongly contrasts that and that pulls us into our what how does this actually apply to campus ministry and ministry in general is that this is not the way that Jesus operates. Yeah, he doesn't focus on superstars. Yeah, I mean, in fact, he takes the opposite. He takes the bench warmers, so to speak, off the bench, and he says, all right, you guys are my superstars. He forms a a group of 12 of randos, uneducated people, you know, like people who people don't like necessarily, because like some of you know, like tax collectors and stuff, and just takes all these random people, boom. And And a whole bunch of women at a time Mm -hmm. when society didn't really empower or value Women, you know, particularly, you couldn't testify in court, couldn't exercise formal religious leadership in kind of the Jewish spaces. And those are the people that Jesus picked to be the eyewitnesses to his resurrection. Absolutely. Absolutely. People, people like that. So I think one thing that I can think about when it comes to, to ministry, right, is that often what happens, and this, is, this, this, can, this can happen a lot, is we build our ministries around people we think that are our equivalent of superstars. Yeah, right? yeah. 
right? Oh. But the classic example is somebody who runs sound at both InterVarsity events and at church. It was, you have the media slash sound guy who knows everything and in ins and outs of every system that's going on in place. And if they get sick one Sunday or one event, then you don't have sound that day. And that's just, that just seems wrong to me because it's not like, it, like why, why do we build a system around this one person when we could have lots of people serving? Well, and I'll tell you another campus ministry story about that. I, I remember being a uh, campus staff and watching on some of these campuses where I was working with InterVarsity in South Florida at the time, and you would get very passionate Christian student who came to campus, passionate about their faith, excited and enthusiastic about ministry. And one of the things that that student would often do is they would bounce to three or four or six different campus ministries. And that spirit of competition would rise up within the campus ministries competing over that superstar student and in the process would ignore all of the other students who were around. I saw this also happen not just at an individual student level, I saw it happen at a university level. So when I was in South Florida, University of Miami had over 20 campus ministries present on campus. Miami-Dade College, which at the time was the largest college in the country, zero. Everyone was fighting over the superstar university because they had the football team and you know, they had the wealthy students and they had the prestige in the city. Uh, but this community college, which was one of the most influential institutions in the city, had no campus ministry working on that network of community colleges. And there is something very, very broken when we buy into that superstar mentality. Yeah, I mean, to go back to the Bible point too, right? Jesus doesn't go to the capital of like one of the most powerful nations of the world, Rome. He goes to Jerusalem and Nazareth and Galilee, which are like basically like the middle of nowhere for the purposes of our modern day understanding. He's not going to like, you know, New York City or Los Angeles or or like Shanghai or Beijing, like or New Delhi, these giant places, or, you know, London, Paris. He's going to, you know, random small town in the middle of, of like northern Canada where not that many people live, you know, and that's where he decides to go. And he also goes into places that no one no one wants him to go, like going into Samaria, which was viewed as really, really bad at the time and just a lot and not allowed for Jewish people to do so. I think I think there's a lot of us like, things to think about there. I know I've totally experienced that same superstar mentality. And one thing that really made me sad as a student, as a student leader when I was in college, was realizing, oh, you know what? None of the, this superstar student we've had also, nobody's asking them what they want. Nobody's asked, nobody's praying that they would follow God's decision. They're just like, we want them because they're awesome, right? Well, and a lot of times what ends up happening, particularly and this is speaking from my ministry context, particularly of, with leaders of color, is if they're that superstar person, their responsibility outstrips their experience, their responsibility outstrips their character, and they're actually not set up to succeed or have a healthy experience of ministry because they end up with an inappropriate amount of responsibility on their shoulders, inappropriate for their skill level, their experience level, even their maturity, because they are seen as superstars. It's, you know, one of the main challenges 
that many of us have in leadership is we, we get so excited about these people that we see as superstars, that we honor, that we respect, that, that we load them up with burdens and don't appropriately right-size the challenges for them. Yeah, like in the NBA, there's a term that goes around called heliocentrism, which would be like putting all of your eggs and all running your whole entire team around one player. and Like the sun in the galaxy. Like the sun in the galaxy, right? There, there's only one sun we should center ourselves around, and that's, of course, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Hashtag uh, dad jokes. Oh, uh, 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 youth pastor says, yeah. Yes, but also, like, it's pretty clear from what we've seen in our, like throughout the history of the sport and sports in general, unless it's literally an individual sport, if it's a team sport, that heliocentric model ultimately doesn't work. They have to have all these other parts that really fit together well. Oh man, check this out. So I'm seeing this happen. We see this, we're wrestling with this in our La Fe ministry, our Latino fellowship. What we'll see is we'll see a chapter spring into existence, a new ministry that's centered around a superstar student. And it'll jump to 10, 15, 20, 30 students. And we get so excited about it, thrilled to see something happening, you know, at Georgia State, in Oklahoma, like so excited about these ministries. And then that key student graduates or moves away and the ministry really struggles because it was built around this key persona. In the Latino culture, we, we've got this, trait we talk about called personalismo. And it, it makes it really complicated to say we, we want the community to own the ministry, not the superstar. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's, that's a huge thing, right? Like we don't, we're not actually about a, like a cult of personality or like what are centering our ministry around peoples and their skills and their talents in, in that way, right? We want, we want to celebrate, center it around Jesus and our faith and our mission. Well, and there's something about the character of God, the triune nature of God, which also pushes back against that superstar mindset. Jesus was constantly honoring the Father. The Father is constantly honoring the Son. The Spirit is giving glory and praise and spotlighting the Father and the Son. There's a way in, in the triune dance of relationship, Trinitarian relations, where no individual person in the Trinity is claiming superstar status, that, that actually this, uh, in the nature, the very nature of the center of our faith is this belief that the superstar shines the spotlight on someone else and makes them a superstar. And that's part of what God invites us into is, you know, when Jesus says, you will do greater things than me, you know, he's inviting us into this almost unimaginable opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Slash, if you're kind of, you know, there's going back to the NBA, it just makes me think about, you know, there's the Trinitarian idea of God. And, you know, basketball, you just want the big three. You want three superstars to do your work. But then a bunch of really great role players to help you come along. But <laughs> sure, sure. Three, three, per, three persons, one team. I feel like that's some Trinitarian heresy, but I can't remember. Some, it's, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like one of those, uh, you know, that's a heresy Patrick videos. But hey, <laughs> there's one more thing on superstars. Can I jump in and hear oh, one more thing on superstars? Go for it. Because one of the things I've noticed during the disruption is that we have been very tempted across the campus ministry space to tell what I call hero stories. 
Kyle, you might call those superstar stories, where instead of talking about the person who faithfully shared the gospel with their neighbor, we talk about the person who faithfully shared the gospel with 300 people on Instagram. Instead of talking about the campus minister who faithfully led a group of students every week to pray, we talk about the campus minister who planted 10 chapters during the pandemic. And what can happen when we tell these superstar stories, which are wonderful and they are beautiful, we don't actually realize that they are demotivating for those of us who may be more role players. Because we look at that and we say, I can't do that. I'm not capable of that. That's not me. And so we opt out of taking ministry risk or we miss out on receiving ministry encouragement. You ever seen this, Kyle? Yes, 100%. We have a particular standard of story that we really like, right? We have a narrative, we have metrics, we have what we consider superstar status, right? Has a set of traits that we say, this is a superstar. And often it involves big numbers, flashy displays, things like that. So if you want to win an NBA championship, get yourself a superstar. If you want to have a healthy ministry, don't focus on the superstars. I don't know. Is that, <laughs> is that what focus. you would say? Ah, if you want to have a healthy ministry, I think you need, I think you need a healthy balance of relying on Christ, investing in your people. I think you need a better plan than just having superstars. Awesome. Well, hey, with that in mind, I want to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. We've got a bunch of great episodes dropping in the weeks ahead. Really excited to share them with you. You can find this podcast wherever you're listening to it right now. And it would be really helpful for this podcast if you would write us a review, uh, let us know what you're liking. Uh, we would love to hear from you. It also helps other people find the show. Kyle, what else could people do? They could. Check out our sponsor. So we've been talking a lot about superstars today. And many of us can look at our ministry game and recognize areas where we need improvement. Hey, that's okay. We're all there. The ministry playbook can help you out. There are courses on all kinds of topics, from depending on the Spirit, to how to know where someone is with their faith, to reaching out to new students on campus. If you want to level up your ministry game so that you can be more effective in loving and serving students and faculty on campus, so that you can be more healthy in your ministry, so that you are not dependent on the random superstars that come your way. If you want to level up your ministry game, check out theministryplaybook.com. That's theministryplaybook.com. ministry playbook.com.